listening to episode 238 of the Ruby on Rails podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Daigle. Um, this week, we have Jason Rudolph from the Atom team, um, the hackable text editor that GitHub has built, talking about their new project that they released last week, a week ago, called Teletype. Um, been really excited to talk to him. Uh, scheduled this for a bit and just had a bunch of scheduling snafus in the past couple of weeks uh, due to work travel and um, uh, family stuff and, and holidays. So thanks, everyone, for your patience. But I really think this is going to be worth the wait. Um, they, the interview was a little longer than the episodes we've been doing recently. And so I decided to slice it up into two episodes. So it'll be this episode and the next episode. We'll cover um, what Teletype is, what it does, how they built it, um, some of the technology powering it, some of the things they're looking to do with it, uh, and all the open source libraries that power it. So it's um, definitely worth a listen to, uh, but it will be split up into two types, or excuse me, two episodes. Uh, so I'd love to hear what you think about that. Um, hit me up on Twitter, at uh, kdaigle. Uh, give me some feedback if you like the sort of split um, in the next uh, two episodes, or if you like the topic or anything else about the podcast, I'd love to hear what you have to say. Um, also, please share the podcast. Uh, it's been great to see people uh, messaging me when things are a little bit late, uh, but uh, it's also great to see sort of when uh, something really resonates with you and I can get more interviews and more content on. Um, after these two episodes, we'll catch up with our normal band of characters and uh, get back with them and see what they've been up to in the past couple weeks. If you're celebrating uh, Thanksgiving in America this week, like I am, happy Thanksgiving, uh, but let's not waste any more time. Let's get right to the interview with Jason Rudolph from Adam. So Jason, I was excited to have you on uh, from a, a while ago when I saw what you were working on, and then uh, when it f uh, got released and was public, uh, you know, re I know we were trying to schedule for a bit, and some folks on Twitter were asking when the episode was going to come out. I was excited to wait for this one uh, as an Atom user myself, um, and being a GitHub employee and seeing some of the really, really early incarnations of this a while ago. Uh, I was excited for a real-time collaboration to come out, and you were on that team, uh, so I wanted to bring you to uh, the Ruby on Rails podcast, even though this is only tangentially related to <laughs> Ruby or Rails. <laughs> hey, you can write Rails in Atom. I've See? done that quite a bit. I'll bet you have, too. I have. <laughs> uh, le less now, but I have at some point in my career, so it all works out. Um, Jason, why don't you uh, introduce yourself a little bit? Uh, and, uh, and say what you do at GitHub. Sure. Uh, so I joined uh, the Atom team earlier this year, and we've been working on Teletype for the last several months, which uh, we'll dig into here shortly. And prior to that, uh, I had the good fortune of working alongside you and Win Netherland for about three years on building GitHub's platform. And there was a year snuck in between those two where uh, I had the very different than building a text editor experience of helping spin up GitHub's second data center in Seattle. Those are the same things, right? Yeah, basically all the same exact work. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Um, yeah, so uh, why don't you give like, like the, I, I know you're you're good at your sort of short pitch, like what what's the short pitch on Teletype? If, well, I guess we'll assume that folks are relatively um, familiar with Adam, the, you know, hackable uh, text editor, JavaScript, HTML, CSS. Um, but what does uh, what does Teletype bring to the table? I mean, I think it's important to have a vision 
with anything. And so, yeah, we can go farther than the, uh, the one liner for sure. Yeah. Uh, but it's really nice to be able to come back to those one liners. Uh, and I'll be honest, when we started, we didn't have one and Nathan Sobo and I, uh, sat around and talked about what the real vision should be. I also think it's kind of nice to have the vision seem a little bit out of reach. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, always stretching you beyond what you're pushing you even farther than you're necessarily sure you can get. And so the one-liner is that it should be as easy to code with your teammates as it is to code alone. And given the experience that uh, Nathan and I have both had as people pairing uh, and and working in cultures that were uh, heavily uh, involved in pairing, Nathan coming from uh, working at Pivotal Labs where people were regularly sitting side by side and pairing for eight hours a day, Uh, Me also in a consultancy at Relevance doing a lot of pairing, uh, both co-located and remote. Uh, And then also at GitHub where, you know, it's not necessarily sitting down for eight straight hours to work together, uh, but it's nice to be able to tap somebody on the shoulder and spend uh, 15 minutes getting their expertise. And I think what Nathan and I would both tell you is those experiences are so often a pain in the butt. Um, especially the short ones, right? I mean, times when I've tapped you on the shoulder, for example, Kyle, and said, hey, help help me understand something about the way the hooks backend works at uh, at GitHub. And we might spend three or four minutes just getting everything set up for us to be able to talk and look at code together. And if it's three or four minutes for us to get set up and look at code together, think about the number of interactions that you just won't bother doing, you know? Uh, and a lot of times that has to do with just uh, technology. Uh, it's actually almost always about technology. Uh, do you have to install something? Uh, is screen sharing working today? Uh, things like that. <laughs> and so I think, you know, programmers are already writing code in their editor So the closer we can bring collaboration to the text editor, uh, the more of that friction we remove. And that's the vision. And we can talk about ways that Teletype uh, aims to achieve that vision. Uh, But yeah, we're we're just at the beginning of this journey and pretty excited about it. Yeah. So can you describe both the the UX of how it works right now and then a little bit of the underpinnings, you know? So um, mm-hmm. I, I know right now, just sort of very simply that uh, I can create a portal and then uh, share a, a, what seems to be like a UID with or a GUID or something with, with a, another person using Atom uh, in Teletype. But uh, what's the experience like now? What would you like it to be? And then what's powering this behind the scenes? Sure. Um, so... It's helpful to think about a few of the problems that we were talking about uh, to really appreciate the the specific implementation uh, choices that we've made. So, one of the the challenges uh, that we've that we've seen when collaborating uh, in the past is one of this passenger driver dynamic. So, a lot of things that I think you and I have probably used together, Kyle, like yeah. we would use uh, like a of course, you could just use screen sharing, and I don't want to pick on any any particular uh, sure. names of products because it's not about the individual products. Um, that is, screen sharing is very obviously a passenger driver dynamic. Mm-hmm. I'm showing you my screen. You're saying we'll go down three lines, um, and no, 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 not that line. The the other line, 
Um, no, don't click that button, Jason. The, the, click the other button. <laughs> and even if you are lucky enough to have a bi-directional screen sharing environment, you know, uh, you end up having the really, really odd bits of the lag and latency related to the video being shared essentially. So thus you, like, I know I, I can remember a couple of distinct moments where we've been sharing and I could hypothetically click in and like take control and start typing, but inevitably it never worked out the way you wanted because, you know, uh, the, the the tool is trying to share so much, you know, information w- with me uh, instead of just the, you know, the text itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so like, even if we're talking like tens of milliseconds between you hitting a keystroke and you seeing uh, the characters appear on the screen, that becomes frustrating enough that, that you might not do it. And so that, that's some of that friction uh, that we're trying to, to overcome. Um, and as anybody who's used a product like Google Docs knows, uh, you, you can get rid of that and create a really fantastic experience by giving everyone who's collaborating their own cursor and letting them type at their own pace. And uh, that's something that we've used to great effect um, at GitHub and, and that I've used at previous companies for collaboration. Um, so bring, but, but that, of course, a product like Google Docs is all about uh, writing documents together, and they're just fundamentally different concepts when you're trying to to write code. Um, so one of the elements that we're looking for is giving everybody their own cursor, uh, letting it be such that when you type, it's as fast for you as if you were not collaborating at all. Um, because all we're doing is just like rendering that character on the screen, and then behind the scenes, uh, we'll make sure that 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 those characters get distributed to the other participants in the portal. Hey everyone, I'd like to tell you a little bit about our sponsors this week. This episode of the Ruby on Rails podcast is sponsored in part by HelloFresh. HelloFresh is a meal kit delivery service that shops, plans, and delivers your favorite step-by-step recipes and pre-measured ingredients so you can just cook eat and enjoy. It's really simple. I had a box a couple weeks ago and it was a lot of fun to do. Uh, The meal was delicious. You choose a delivery day that works best for your schedule and you can pause the account if you travel for work like I do uh, so you don't need to worry about getting these meals while you're gone. Uh, All the ingredients come pre-measured in these handy labeled uh, meal kits in these brown bags. So you know um, exactly which ingredients go with which recipes. And in the kit that I got, you actually get things actually really pre-portioned. So if you need a clove of garlic, you get a clove of garlic. Uh, and I found that really useful. And you can recycle all of the um, uh, containers as well as the insulated packaging as well. Uh, HelloFresh offers a wide variety of chef-curated recipes that change weekly. And there's three plans to choose from, classic, veggie, and family. Classic contains a variety of meat, fish, and seasonal produce. Veggie is vegetarian recipes with plant-based proteins grains and seasonal produce in family which are quick and easy meals with all the yum worthy flavor that the whole family will love Um, i really love how quick these meals are they're very simple you don't need to spend all night in the kitchen because each recipe only takes about 30 minutes there's lots of one pot recipes I, i did a chili recipe which was really delicious and then each week there's even a 20 minute meal on the classic menu so when you don't have a lot of time you pick up the kids you get home from work uh, you can have a really delicious meal and you're not required to um, uh, you know, spend a, hours and hours of time 
Uh, the best store recipe, like I said, that I really enjoyed was uh, the chili. Uh, but while I was traveling, my wife also cooked one of the meals, uh, and she said she really loved it as well. Uh, I, I've tried a bunch of these services before, but having everything truly pre-portioned was really valuable, and not having to spend an hour and a half chopping up a million different ingredients in order to have a very yummy meal. For $30 off your first week of HelloFresh, visit HelloFresh.com and enter the promo code RAILS30. Thank you so much to HelloFresh. The Ruby on Rails podcast is also sponsored in part by DigitalOcean. DigitalOcean just launched Spaces, a beautifully simple object storage service designed for developers who want a simple way to store and serve a vast amount of data. That can include things like web assets, acting like an origin for CDNs, storing user-generated content such as images and large media files, archiving backups in the cloud, and storing logs. This has been built for developers, so they've simplified the essentials of object storage to save you time. All you do is name your space, tap create, and then you're ready to go in seconds. Or you can just use your favorite storage management tools and libraries. A large ecosystem of S3-compatible tools and libraries can be used to help you manage your space. They've also simplified pricing, so no more do you have to worry about all the different types of costs that you're going to have. Spaces is available for a simple $5 per month price, which includes 250 gigabytes of storage and one terabyte of outbound bandwidth. There are no costs per request, and additional storage is priced at the lowest rate available, one cent per gigabyte transferred and two cents per gigabyte stored. Uploads are free. Spaces provide cool saving, excuse me, cost savings of up to 10 times, along with predictable pricing and no surprises on your monthly bill. To make it easy to try for both new and existing DigitalOcean customers, you can start today with a free two-month trial of Spaces by going to do.co slash Ruby. Thank you so much to DigitalOcean for supporting the show. This episode is also sponsored in part by Rollbar. I'm excited to tell you about Rollbar. We've talked about them a bunch on the podcast. Errors are the bane of all of the apps that we build. Um, they are, are very difficult to debug when users are reporting them unless you have a tool like Rollbar. With Rollbar's error monitoring, you get the full stack trace, context, and user data to help you find and fix impactful errors super fast. You can integrate Rollbar into your existing workflow, send error alerts to Slack or HipChat, or automatically create new issues in Jira Pivotal Tracker or Charlo. Adding the Rollbar Ruby SDK is as easy as gem install Rollbar, start tracking application errors in minutes. A few cool features of the Rollbar Ruby uh, gem, you can send all the request data from Rack Frameworks. You can also uh, very easily connect to Q Frameworks like Sidekick, Rescue, and Delayed Job. You can configure Rollbar's front-end JavaScript SDK without having to install it manually. And of course, I mention this every time, my favorite feature, deep link your GitHub repos to your stack traces in Rollbar. We have a special offer for listeners. Go to rollbar.com slash Ruby. Sign up and get the bootstrap plan for free. Loved by developers at awesome companies like Heroku, Twilio, Kayak, Zendesk, Twitch, and more. You can go to rollbar.com slash Ruby. Sign up and get the bootstrap plan for free. Thank you so much to all of our sponsors. And now back to Jason. Um, another component that, that I am just super excited about, uh, I mean, we started out with a centralized system where we had a server, uh, and all of your deltas that you were making, all the changes that you were making to a document would go up to that server and then it would get distributed out 
to all of the other participants. And we can talk about the technology or the algorithms for letting that text mm-hmm. converge uh, in the future, because that's interesting. Uh, but just first thinking about the overall architecture. Um, so we started out with that model, and there were a few things that we didn't like about it. Um, we didn't really like that it introduced more latency, right? If uh, So you're in um, uh, um, New Hampshire? Connecticut. Right this <laughs> That's all right. We're all the same up here. Every New England is time. just one giant state. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, you're in Connecticut. Uh, I'm in North Carolina. Uh, we have the good fortune of having uh, the state of Virginia between us, uh, which <laughs> yeah. is uh, which means that we have basically most of the internet between us, right? Um, right? So it wouldn't be that big of a deal for our for my keystrokes to go to Virginia and then for them to go to you. Um, but if at a point in time, like Nathan Sobo uh, and another teammate of mine, Antonio Scandura, they were both working side by side in Italy. Uh, in a coffee shop. Why on earth should their keystrokes be going all the way to a server in Virginia, mm-hmm. right? Um, that that degrades their experience. So we weren't excited about the centralized experience from that standpoint. Um, and given all the work we've done, like scaling this behemoth uh, system known as github.com, um, the idea that we would be having to handle like all these keystrokes coming in from programmers all over the world, like that's not a (laughs) terribly exciting thing to have to scale either. Uh, And so we moved to this peer to peer model. Um, And it's just one of those like beautiful architectural things because it um, eliminates the scalability issues from us having to um, have the centralized server that's handling uh, just tons of real time data. It, makes the experience way better for the two people that are sitting next to each other in a coffee shop, um, you know, collaborating. And oh, by the way, there's the privacy aspects of it. Right. If, you know, <laughs> uh, and and we value all three of those things. So it's just really great that they come together. So um, in this peer-to-peer, uh, in this peer-to-peer setup, then is there just a, a negotiation step at the beginning that just you know that, that uses that ID and then um, says, okay, this person's here, this person's there, go create a direct connection, or, or what's that uh, portal ID used for? Yeah, it's exactly that. So um, once you install the teletype package, and right now uh, there's only a teletype uh, package for Atom, but I should say it's written in a way that most of the logic is in an editor agnostic uh, library called teletype client. So in theory, uh, and, and wouldn't it be awesome if uh, you could wrap that for for other editors as well? That's I think all that's, I've ever that's, wanted. <laughs> that's the holy grail. I, I love that. That, once again, breaks down the barrier to entry, right? Uh, yeah. Like, yes, um, you've seen the light and you use Atom, uh, but let's say we're working <laughs> with somebody that uh, uh, that still uses Vim. Um, I, I respect those people. Yeah, I used you to be one of them. You were those people, I was going to say. <laughs> I were those people, right? Um, exactly. Um, and so wouldn't it be awesome to be able to collaborate uh, with them as well? Um, that's a little bit of a tangent, uh, but sort of a cool one, uh, a really cool one. And I want to call um, out, too, that the the teletype, the teletype client is open source already, right? 
That's true. Yeah. Okay. Um, so everything, everything that we're talking about today is open source and we can talk about where those are and what the different repositories are. Mm-hmm. Um, but getting back to your question about uh, establishing the portal. So in Teletype, you install, I'm sorry, in Atom, you install the Teletype package. And um, once you've done that, uh, you'll be prompted to sign in to your GitHub account. And really, that's just for identity. Uh, it's nothing else other than, you know, the same way you're somewhere on the Internet and it's like sign in with Facebook or, or sign in with Google or whatever. We just I want to know that it's it's Kay Daigle, it's Jason Rudolph, it's mm-hmm. Nathan Sobo, you know, et cetera. Um, and so once you've done that, uh, you have the option to share your workspace or create a portal, as we've been calling it. And that's going to make a request out to the Teletype API server. And all it's going to do is give you a, uh, a secret ID. It's essentially security by obscurity for now, the same way a, a secret gist is or a, a Google Doc with their obscure URLs. Um, and then after that, you can uh, I could share that portal ID with you. Uh, and you would go into Adam and say that you want to join that portal. And then your uh, Teletype instance is going to make a request uh, out to the Teletype API as well. And you're going to get uh, details for um, uh, for that portal. And really all the details that you need uh, are information about where you can find me uh, on the Internet. And uh, that's handled via uh, – we use Pusher um, and uh, – Twilio for all of that uh, peer-to-peer negotiation and communication. Um, and so really the server, the only role that the server has is in that initial handshake and peer discovery. And then after that, all communication is handled over WebRTC um, using uh, Twilio for its turn servers for peer discovery. Uh, and then also pusher to send messages back and forth between people, all, all encrypted as well, of course. That's really interesting. I didn't know that uh, some of this was, uh, you know, reusing some, uh, like, I, I, I had been following along with some of Twilio's stuff uh, when we were working on a, a side project a while ago. And it's, it's, it's awesome to see that you were able to sort of use that and focus on the unique aspects of the problem and not necessarily, you know, resolving the um, RTC negotiation. Stuff. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, did, you, did you try to go that way? Uh, no. Um, but one of the things that, one of the things that, you know, that I was, so we, we've been, one of the things that's been really been awesome about this project is we've been using teletype to build teletype and Mm -hmm. and it'd be cool to talk about that. But, um, as we were, uh, using it every day, like collaborating between uh, me in North Carolina and Nathan in Colorado and Antonio in Italy, uh, we were very much dog fooding it. Um, but we also realized that our network configuration was just one of the many network configurations that one <laughs> might encounter in the world, right? Uh, I was pretty sure that we'd hear the term squid proxy uh, in the first week and have somebody tell us about their, their corporate uh, setup that was, <laughs> that was problematic. Um, so one of the things that's, um, uh, that's nice about the the tooling that uh, the Twilio provides is in most cases um, you're going to use these uh, and I, 
I'll admit that I can't remember like exactly which one is which right offhand. It's one of those things that, uh, yeah. you know, you, you look up when, when you need to know it. Um, sure. But there's stun servers and turn servers that allow for this peer-to-peer discovery. Uh, and in most cases, it's going to be that you and I are going to be able to discover each other and actually talk peer-to-peer. Um, but if you are in one of these really uh, bizarre, unique um, network configurations, you can always fall back to funneling everything through Twilio in a secure fashion mm-hmm. uh, with the presumption being like, okay, your environment can probably let you get out to the internet. Uh, so let's just fall back to that. And um, we'll, Twilio will funnel things between you and Twilio and then out to the other participants. Aside from the practicalities of having, you know, more than two people coding at the same time, is that something that uh, Teletype can do? Like, is there an upper bound, I guess, to the number of people that can can be working together? (laughs) I really think that the social constraints are going to kick in before the technical (laughs) constraints kick in. Sure. You know, I mean, coding is something that is so high bandwidth and focused from uh, you and I needing to understand what it is we're trying to accomplish together. Uh, that I just think that breaks down after, you know, some small number of people. Uh, I can tell you that I've used Teletype with as many people as I've used a Google Doc before. Uh, For Mm -hmm. example, um, when we had our last team retrospective several weeks ago, we... Uh, everybody on the team hopped into a markdown file and <laughs> sure. edited a markdown file in, uh, in teletype and add them together. And, and that was great. Uh, there's actually a person on, <laughs> on hacker news that, that asked a similar question. And, uh, this person said, uh, this might be a terrible idea, but here's my portal ID internet. Um, and, <laughs> and nervously and, somewhere someone started sweating. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so several of us actually hopped into his portal. It was, a, it was a really cool organic experience in no sure. way, the type of thing that teletype is designed for, but it, it's sort of fun to see those experiences, uh, happen. Yeah. Uh, and several people hopped in and they started asking questions about, how does this work? How does that work? And like suddenly this markdown file became this threaded discussion where people were asking questions and people from the GitHub team were, were answering them. <laughs> it was super cool. Awesome. Uh, let's take a quick break. Uh, when we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about uh, the vision of Teletype, the open source bits, and uh, how that content gets around. Uh, we'll be right back with Jason in just a minute. And that's the end of this part of the interview. We're going to continue again uh, in the next episode with part two of our discussion around Teletype and all the libraries that power and a little bit more about the technology that um, they also built in order to make it work. I'd love to hear what you thought about this. Hit me up on Twitter at KDaigle. Otherwise, I'll see you next time.